Welcome back to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for a lack of insight and for baseless opinion. Today is April 11th, 2023, and this is episode 359. My name is Jake English. And I'm Scott Magnus. And on this week's show, well, we'll check in and see how we're doing after some series with the AL East and some other stuff. And we'll invite the individuals from Northern Virginia to come up and join us and then quickly go back to Northern Virginia because they found a glove in their bottom of their basement at one point. And we'll do all that right after we lubricate the show. That's right. It's time for the drink of the week. Scott Magnus, what are you drinking? Jake, I am drinking a favorite of Bird's Eye View. I'm drinking a Loose Cannon IPA from Heavy Seas. That's, that's interesting. I also have a Loose Cannon IPA by Heavy Seas. Yours is in a bottle. Mine's in a can. But that's the backup drink tonight. I'm actually working my way through uh, a glass of, of Bullet, Bullet? Bur- Bullet Bourbon, a little bit of ice. It's um, it's yummy. If you're interested to see what we're drinking on a daily or hourly basis throughout the baseball season, come find us on Untapped. I'm at Jake E four zero two five. I'm at M A G N eight six zero six. And with that, it's time for a checkup. Time for your checkup. Time for your checkup. I'm gonna check your ears, check your eyes, find out how much you've grown. Time for your checkup. Gonna listen to your heartbeat, fix you up, ready to go. All right, well, we covered this last week on the night that this actually happened, but Kyle Bradish suffered a comebacker to the mound, went off his foot, and we were wondering, what's that mean? How bad's it going to be? Well, it, it turned out that Kyle Bradish, you know, went on the 15-day IL, gave him some additional time to heal from this kind of, kind of contusion injury. He will be making a rehab start starting on Friday in Norfolk, and it looks like, in all likelihood, he's going to be returning to the club as of April 19th as soon as possible. So I guess that's relatively good news. It could have been a lot worse whenever stuff like that happens. And he's going to miss two starts. The only suboptimal part about all this is that he's not making his rehab start in Aberdeen. That's all. Yeah, that's right. Next, we have John Means, who we, of course, know is recovering from Tommy John's surgery. He's been doing some bullpens, which have been starting to include his off-speed stuff. He's going to start increasing the number of those and the intensity. So he seems to be coming along on schedule without incident. Yep, that's good news. Michael Givens has been throwing a bullpen session. Still no timetable of when he's going to return. Are you questioning, like, what's going on with him? I know that Michael Givens is going to retire in Oriole. I just hope it's not now. But it will be. Dylan Tate, again, very quiet on that front. It's still looking like it's going to be a mid-May standpoint. But again, I think everyone kind of looks at the bullpen as of recently and says, when can Dylan Tate get back here? So that's going to be a name that I think every Orioles fan needs to keep an eye out on just to basically make sure it's progressing accordingly. I'm very pessimistic about this. Now, I would love to be wrong, right? Because I'm not a doctor. I did not stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night. Worst of all, you went to American University. (laughs) But I am concerned about the return of Dylan Tate. That's it for the medical wing, and with that, we're going to turn to 280 characters at a time this week in Orioles baseball, this week on the Twitters. Yeah, first tweet comes from OBP Apparel, and this actually came out from a bunch of folks, but the tweet says follows, just learned that longtime supporter and incredible human being Justin, uh, we're from 484, passed away last night. Justin had every reason to be mad at the world, yet he was always the most encouraging, loving, supportive person anytime we interacted. You know, I posted specifically onto our profile 
indicating that we had actually asked for people to donate to the Trevor Project to basically combat some you know hateful speech. And I'm not even going to indicate who that hateful speech was, but Justin, you know, stepped right up and said, "Hey, I've got you. I'm going to put you know a donation together." And Justin, you know, has had medical issues. He's had billing issues and stuff like that. Just a great guy. Just a lovely human. I mean, every time we had the opportunity to chat online, he was so much more than an, a digital presence. And his absence is, is strongly felt by just about everybody that's come along and encountered him. And so we just wanted to tip our cap to one of the good ones. Yeah. There are other aspects that occurred this week during opening day. We'll get into it a little bit later, but like I was able to take my son to my first opening day. And Dylan Atkinson was actually able to take his son as well. And his tweet coming from Dylan T. Atkinson is, Shout out to the, all the Orioles fans today who taught my less than two-year-old son to yell, Yankees suck. He can't stop saying it in the car right now. That is a rite of passage. It seems like good parenting, honestly. So, Dylan, if you're not doing that, I'm sorry, but get used to it. Our next tweet is sponsored by the film Inception. It's a tweet from Locked On Orioles that says, Podcaster watching podcasters podcast. And this, of course, comes from Connor, who was watching the Suspetus Family Barbecue do their live show there in Baltimore. And I got to tell you, that is an entertaining group. They actually did an interview with Kevin Brown that is absolutely worth listening to. The video that they made available to serve as a teaser for the show mm-hmm. it had to do with Kevin Brown doing that call of Adley's first hit and all the thinking that went into that call as it was happening real time. Those guys are super fun. And if you haven't listened to that episode, you should do it immediately. Yeah, I was disappointed I wasn't able to actually make it out. Unfortunately, childcare reared its ugly head that night. If you had to go out to an event to watch a podcaster, is there a certain podcast that you would go and actually watch? Oh, absolutely. Which one? I would absolutely go watch the Baltimoreans. That's what I figured. I would watch them. I would watch them in their houses, like outside in the bushes. You would watch them with a fox. You would <laughs> watch them in a box. You would watch them here and there. I, I would. There Your are, wife would do it with them anywhere. There are <laughs> lots of podcasts that I listen to that I wouldn't watch. Right. For instance, I listen to the History of the English Language podcast because I'm a big dork. But that's one dude, I'm sure, alone in his basement studio or whatever. Very boring. But I think that conversational style podcasts, when there's more than one host, just begs for an audience. So yeah, they're, they're podcasts I would go watch. All right. Our last tweet comes to us from Olivia Witherite. She, of course, tweets at Olivia Witherite. Pounds fist on table. Dong bong. Dong bong. Dong ball. I actually don't know what this tweet is about. It's weird. It's just it's a strange thing. Yeah. Time to go around the bases. We're going to start at first base. And Scott, we're going to start where we left off. Dong ball. Let me ask you something. The Orioles got people's attention yep. with the dong bong. And if, if you're not familiar, the, the three people who are not familiar, this is the Orioles' new home run celebration in which they pour water <clears throat> through a funnel 
attached to a hose attached to a young man who just hit a home run. The dong bong. Scotty, what are your feelings on the dong bong? I think it's fun. I think it's very broy. Is 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 what I would call it. I, I look at it, and it's funny because like you've watched you know, some of the folks come up: Adley, Stowers, Grayson Rodriguez, Gunnar Henderson, and there's definitely in their own. You know, you're looking, and you're like, wow, they are really living themselves up in their early twenties. But at the end of the day, like this is the kind of stuff that folks in their early twenties do. I mean, I I think it's great. I think it's fine. I had I think it's great fun. Um, I'm actually really curious on where they found the orange and black hose because I kind of want to buy one for my for my for my house now for my outside. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask for us not to use the phrase orange and black hose on this podcast. We're gonna get bleeped. I I have a rather unpopular opinion okay. on this. I don't have a problem with the dong bong, but I absolutely empathize with people that do, mm-hmm. and I think that the Divide is generally between young people who don't have kids mm-hmm. and people who have kids. It's possible. I think it's more the individuals that are more sticks in the mud and uh, individuals that are not sticks in the mud. Yeah, I mean, I, I get it. It's fun. It's 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 bro town. Yeah, that's fine. But I also can understand people not wanting to explain that to their eight year old. Yeah. I I can also understand them not wanting their young children to emulate that kind of behavior. Yeah, I, I get that point of view. Yeah, and I think that when you have an organization like a major league baseball team, that's something I can't imagine won't get squashed. And uh, if it does, yeah, that's a bummer. But I also think it's not a hill worth dying on either. No, I don't think it's a hill worth dying on. But again, I think it's a relatively minor, innocuous thing. Personally, um, I think it's you know, it's, I just don't see what the big deal is. I understand that people can make it a bigger deal than it actually is, but there's a lot more controversy out there in baseball than than just someone pulling out a bong. Agreed, agreed. But I don't know if you if you take your young kid to a to a game, I just don't think it's a particularly good look. Again, as an adult, it's super fun, hilarious. Yeah. But as a mode of family entertainment, I, I can I can empathize with people that don't feel it. I feel you. Uh, I would also come back and say too that if you go to we'll call it any you know middle school kid, they're already chugging all the time at this point. Sure, so but I, I don't butt chugging it, probably, but I'm yeah. not worried about the middle school kids. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we're worried about the children childrens. Right. Like I said, if we're worried about the children childrens, then we need to start you know taking away certain baseball players from from Major League Baseball. Look, I I believe that the children are our future, I don't and know. and I can only say that 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 future. We should only be as lucky if it were to include the yeah. dog ball. Or the homer hose. Or the, no. If, <laughs> no. if we're going to have it, let's call it by its proper Christian name. It's the dog ball. All right, let's head over to second base. Scotty, we ended up winning the game the other night. Yeah. But there was some really horrific officiating on display. And look, I get frustrated when umpires insert themselves into the game. You? I do. You? I get frustrated when things are inconsistent, even in games that we win. Mm-hmm. But that's not what I'm here to whine about tonight, Scott. Oh, are we talking about the Orioles game or are we talking about the U13 oh, rec- or club game that you went to? Travel baseball will never have consistent umpiring. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, that's a bridge too far. But what I'm most concerned about is the replay 
mm-hmm. that I would say did not take place on Sunday. So you're talking about the New York officiating. Yeah. Yeah. I don't understand why we're bothering mm-hmm. with replay if we're not going to get it right. When yeah. it is clearly incorrect. And and I, I don't mean to be snarky about this. I realize that I, I um, have given up some credibility on this front. But let me say, if we, as a sport, are concerned about pace of play and the length of games, if we're going to stop for replay, we should absolutely get it right. Mm-hmm. And if we're not going to get it right, if we're not even going to pretend that that matters, then don't do it. Yeah, Don't do it. I, I'm, of course, talking about the, the bang-bang play at first base where it was clear that uh, I think it was Mateo. It was Mateo. Was, was safe. And I, I, I just can't understand. If you're going to have replay, let it be right. So I feel like that play was a lot closer than the hit-by-pitch that we saw earlier this sure. season. Sure. So, I mean, I, I can kind of give a little bit of wiggle room on that one. Not a ton. We have high-definition cameras. We have slow-mo. We have every angle known to man. Yeah. But you have to understand, they've got a Macintosh up in New York. They also have an organization that is in a legal dispute with the Baltimore Orioles. It's a bad look when they get it obviously wrong. Yeah, and and again, I think as an Orioles fan, it's it's very easy for us to look in this regard. I think it's also a matter where looking at replay as a whole, there's a lot of question marks going back down to like, you have to get the calls right on the field. And I think anyone looks at the situation and says, over all of Major League Baseball, there's some questionable calls being made in New York at this given point. I would really love the rules committee or whoever is in charge of replay to take a good hard look at the replay system and how effective it is and all that other happy horse stuff. Because if they're going to tweak the game, this is an area that could use improvement, in my opinion. Moving right <laughs> along into third base. Scotty, I want to talk a little bit. You know, we've had a couple of series now. I want to talk a little bit about what is going right with the Orioles and what may be going not so right. Where do you want to start? You want to start with uh, what's going right or what's going wrong? Let's go with right. Let's let's start positive. All right. I'll just throw this out here. Something that I had been a little harsh on. Mm-hmm. I know that's going to sound hard to believe. I think... Are we going to talk Dong, Dong Ho's again? <laughs> Dong Bong. Oh. Dong Bong. Dong Bong. Um, I think Adam Frazier has been fine. I think he's been solid in the field. I think he's been fine at the plate. I think he's been he's been a major league player and a pickup on on a team that was trying yeah. to compete. Yeah, I think that this would have been a great pickup. I think he's been fine. I don't. I still haven't seen the field. If that makes sense to you, like I haven't seen a wow play. No, but I I think he's going to make the plays he's supposed to make. I think that's fair, but I haven't seen a wow play. And I'm I was looking I'm looking for someone that to make that potential wow play. But yeah, I mean, Adam Frazier has had some you know good moments early in the season, and has quite a lot of question marks coming out of the off season. All right, what else has gone gone right? Maybe something a little sexier than Adam Frazier. Well, if we're gonna talk sexy, let's get into the daddy territory. Let's talk Adley Rutschman. I'm also I'm also gonna put daddy territory into. Uh, we're gonna put that one in the penalty box. Why? Right? Nothing wrong with a little daddy territory. Makes me uncomfortable. Uh, Tell me all about Adley doing Adley things. Yeah, I mean, Adley is doing Adley things right now. He's, you know, I think the biggest one I think that people continue to talk about is he's sitting from both sides of the plate this this season. And if he continues to do that, then he is going to be an MVP candidate. He is just really impressive. 
The plate discipline looks just as good as it was last year. But again, batting from both sides of the plate and doing well from both sides of the plate, similar to what he did in the minors, I think is a massive upgrade. So let's see if it continues. But so far, so good from Adley Rutschman. Absolutely. Another good one, I think that Kyle Gibson has has been good so far. I, I was not super excited when the team picked him up. I was hopeful that he would be better than I expected. And so far, I, I think he's given the, the Orioles quality and length. I feel like he's what was advertised being, which is a slightly better Jordan Lyles. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's accurate. He's gone deep into a few games, and he hasn't been dominating, but... He's been very consistent. So I've liked what I've seen from Kyle Gibson to date. I think, like we discussed, I think it's been an advertisement of him being a Jordan Lyles upgrade. And so far, I agree with that. I don't think he's going to be a top pitcher. But I look at it and say, yeah, you're a mid-rotation pitcher. Like, not bad. Scott, he briefly led the league and wins. Congratulations. All right, what else What else is exciting uh, so far this, this year? Well, I mean, we are seeing 2022 first half Austin Hayes once again. Austin Hayes has been really doing great at the plate in terms of weighted runs created plus at 137. He's also been doing great with his exit velocity coming off the ball and also done pretty well from a plate discipline standpoint. He did have one rough plate appearance this evening, but I mean, you look at the rest of his performance, double home run tonight in the leadoff position. I mean, Austin Hayes looks as good as he was first half of last year. So, you know, we talked about it and, you know, we came into this past offseason. I'm like, it might be time to trade Austin Hayes, but the Orioles, maybe knew something we didn't know. And so far, Austin Hayes looks really good. Probably one of the best outfielders we have currently right now on a hitting basis. Yeah, and the, the thing about Austin Hayes that's so cool is that when he's on, he can really take over a game. You know, he can yeah. become a dominant force in a game. Well, he was the last individual for the Orioles to hit for the cycle, right? He absolutely was. The, the question as it is with every season is, can he stay healthy and can he avoid the massive slump? And those two things are always connected, Correct. right? But from our lips to the baseball god's ears, let's hope that he's okay. Can we cover one more player that I had as my breakout for this season? And yes. so far, I think he's been displaying it. Ryan Mountcastle has been really impressive so far. Uh, Jake, as of this moment, uh, the Orioles are ahead 12-7, to 7, and he has nine RBIs this evening. Nine times? Nine times. Wow. So, again, you may not like the dong bong. But Ryan Mountcastle likes to stay hydrated. He does indeed. <laughs> he does indeed. But I think the one thing from a Ryan Mountcastle standpoint that I've been so impressed with is we all knew the power was there. Mm-hmm. Um, and we talked about this kind of standpoint of like he hit into a lot of unlucky hits last season. But the one thing that I've noticed so far early this season is I feel like he's got a lot better plate discipline this year. Um, and I'm going to be really interesting to see it. He seems to be holding off on those pitches on the outside corner. And also the sliders that break out to the outside as well. So I'll be interested to see if Ryan Mountcastle's plate discipline continues on the season. If that is the case, and he's able to lower that K rate slightly, not a ton. I don't. I'm not asking for it to be lower than 20. percent But let's just say it's you know 22, 23 percent. I mean, Ryan Mountcastle could easily be a four WAR player, and that would be really impressive. So Ryan Mountcastle, you know, I think is going to be sneaky good this year. I, I don't think he's going to be an All Star. But I think Ryan Mountcastle, again, we call I called him one of my breakout candidates. I think a few other folks did, too. I think Ryan Mountcastle is going to have a good season so far this this year. Great. I'll also say Danny Colombo. Colombo. Yes, Colombo. He's been very effective coming in, and he was one of those guys that, you know, he was acquired, and I was like, why? 
Yeah. Why? But as you so eloquently said earlier, our bullpen is boned. So yeah, he's, he's been a nice fresh arm to, to come in and, and kind of hold things down. I feel like the Orioles are still trying to figure out where to insert him. And I think he's coming in more, I wouldn't say low leverage situations, but I would say, you know, not high leverage situations. So I, I do want to see him potentially in a few high leverage situations for me to really judge what do we have here. Because again, ultimately that's what we're looking for. You know, Dylan Tate, who we were talking about not being in the bullpen, Dylan Tate did really, has done really well with the Baltimore Orioles in high leverage situations. And I want to see who could potentially take on that seventh or eighth inning role with Dylan Tate not being available. All right. So plenty good, right? There's plenty of good things going yeah, on. I mean, there's there's lots of good, good things going on. I mean, the, in reality, the Orioles are 500 right now. Yeah. Um, but there are some bad things going on, too. So let's go to the bad place. Well, let's go to the bad place. My, my first bad thing really has to do with the record. And, and that is the fact that the Rays are just on fire yeah. right now. And I think it's perfectly fine for the Orioles to be hanging around 500 this early in the season. I mean, it's early. No, nobody cares. But as I look at the Rays just building a, a ridiculous lead mm-hmm. here in April, I think to myself, like, at some point, it's got to stop, right? At some point, they'll regress back to normalcy. But I don't know what, how— What is normalcy? Well, I don't know how long it's going to take. And the thing is, if you put up enough wins in April right. with the new setup of the wild card, sure. I don't feel like Tampa has to— bank a whole lot of wins before they can just be pretty good for the rest of the season yeah. and basically have that seventh spot locked up no matter what. Oh, I, I agree. And I, I, I think you're absolutely right. You know, coming back to that regression standpoint, they certainly are not going to win all of their games for the rest of the season. What? Imagine that. But you're absolutely right that, you know, if they go on a streak here where they win 12 games in a row, it does set themselves up in the future, just like the Orioles last year when we won 10 games in a row you can play a little bit more freely with it. But again, I, I come back to that point for last year too. The Orioles had a 10-game win streak last year, and they still finished 83-81. and 81. I'm not going to get too overly excited about the Tampa Bay Rays you know, going out and, and doing so well. I will also, though, say that like outside of just wins and losses, the run differential has been really impressive. But we saw this last year with the Yankees too, where they started out gangbuster as well. Um, and then they kind of faded at the very back end of the season. So we'll see what happens. I mean, we talked about this in a prediction standpoint, and you said, I have a feeling that the Orioles are going to finish third in the AL East. And I said, if that happens, then the Orioles get into the playoffs. There's no doubt about it. We'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see. Do the Rays continue to be as good as they are? Do the Blue Jays all of a sudden do better again? Or are the Yankees going to be as good as we're expecting them to be? I look at the AL East, and the AL East continues to showcase why it's the best division in all Major League Baseball. Unfortunately, the Baltimore Orioles play in it, and unfortunately, we just have to figure it out. The nice thing is, again, I keep thinking about this after the Yankees series, we don't have to see the Yankees again in Camden Yards multiple times. We only have one more series at Camden Yards with the Yankees fans in attendance. And with that, I guess one of the other bad things that I know you were complaining about was the amount of Yankees fans at Camden Yards during this first opening series. Oh, yes. Why does this still bother you? Because it it shouldn't happen. It but, shouldn't but happen. But, any, but it's going to happen. Any self-respect. No, this doesn't happen everywhere. It does happen a lot. And especially, for example, like let's look at Tampa, for example. Yankees fans always go to Tampa. But again, Baltimore is so easy to get to. So easy. Does this happen to Padres fans when the Dodgers are in town? Mm-hmm. Does it? Yes. I mean... 
Yes. I don't like being uncomfortable in my own ballpark. I completely agree with you. I completely agree with you. But again... They're just asshats. Well, yes. I, I'm, there's no argument here. But the fact of the matter... I don't want to go because they're terrible. We've said the same thing about Red Sox fans back in the day during, you know, we'll call it Red Sox Nation, where it's a standpoint of like, I don't want to go to games when there are Red Sox and Yankees fans there. Yeah. And they're going to act the way they are. But from an economic standpoint, it makes a ton of sense. And you've got a ton of transplants from the given area and from the nation in the Northern Virginia slash Maryland area due to the federal government being here. So this shouldn't surprise us. You also have a team that pissed away its fan base for an entire generation. You're absolutely right. You do. Exactly. I mean, I had many people coming to me this week at work and saying, well, I'm actually a Yankees fan. And I said, why? Like, you were born and raised here. And they're like, well, the Orioles weren't good when I was growing up. And I watched ESPN and what was on ESPN every single day, Derek Jeter. So you're absolutely right. You're in a situation where you're paying the dues of, again, a lost generation and you're also paying the dues of being in a mid-Atlantic city that has the ability for people to travel to and from very easily and ticket prices being very cheap. All right, but I'm still not going to like it. I will give you this. And one of my predictions was I was expecting actually more Yankees fans on opening day. And there were some there. There's no doubt about it. But on a whole, it did demonstrate to me that Orioles fans are willing to come out and us and support Once. their team. <laughs> <laughs> so again, coming back to, you know, opening day or anything like that, opening day has always been the situation where everyone will come out Thursday or Friday, and then Saturday is always a lukewarm game. I'm actually really encouraged, even with the amount of Yankees fans that were in attendance, that we were at over 100,000 people in attendance for that first opening series. Yeah. I mean, this is liftoff, so I'm sure they're going to take the proceeds from that gate and invest in some really great pitching. Even when we come back to 2012. You and I remember this, August and September. Yeah. How many times did we say, go out, support this team, and still the team only pulled in fifteen to 20,000 people? Do you think that the team trying to try in the offseason would have made a difference in the no. stands? Do you think the only thing then that's going to fix the attendance problem is consistent and sustained winning? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's all, that's all they can do. Yeah, I think that's the only thing that's going to make it happen. I don't think there is any promotion. I don't think there's any ticket price. I think it's just going to be, it's going to have to be a winning environment, and it's going to have to be the place to be seen. How many, think, how many winning seasons do you think it's going to take from the Baltimore Orioles to get fans back? Not like sold out every night, but like... Can I be honest with you? Yeah. I don't think it's winning season. Hmm. I think it has to be a World Series. So you think the only antidote for the Yankees' disease that we that we have is a World Series ring? I don't think you're ever going to get rid of the, Yan the Yankees fans. No, but I think more people will want to be there on the second game of the season when they don't get opening day tickets. Correct. But yeah, I think that the only way you're going to do this is by winning a World Series, and then you can immunize yourself versus that plague. <laughs> you might want to still wear a mask, um, but you might want to get immunized. So what else has gone wrong this season? I, I will say that I've been a little underwhelmed with the Orioles' defensive performance? So I think we need to put a caveat on this. I think we need to say outfield defensive performance. I feel like the infield defensive performance has been really impressive to date. I think back to opening day. Okay. And I think back to that play that Urias made in terms of pulling the, the double play. With men on first and second, no outs. He made a nice scoop, tags third, goes to first. There was a ton of plays that Urias has made Mateo has made that I've been really impressed with on the left side. 
And again, I gave flack last year to Mountcastle at first base, and I said, I don't really like the way he receives the ball. I am completely turned around on this one. Like, Mountcastle is a really impressive first baseman to me in terms of how he receives the ball and how he picks the ball now. So, again, that could just be, you know, him getting familiar with the position as of last year and everything. But I feel like the infield defense has actually been pretty good. Okay. Okay. Maybe I'm cherry-picking some some moments. I, I was not loving some of the overrunning of the ball that was happening during the Yankee series. But I agree. I think of all things considered, the infield defense is, is going to even out and, and be, you know, plus, plus, plus for the yeah. rest of the season. I mean, my question really belongs to, and I think we've got to answer this question at this point of, you know, you've got Ryan McKenna on this team as kind of your fourth outfielder now, but you continue to see Taryn Varvara um, kind of come in and also serve as an outfielder on occasion. What role do you see Ryan McKenna having kind of going forward? Do you I've, see him still as that fourth outfielder? I do. I think that he's the spare center fielder, and I think that he is a right-hander that can sometimes swing the bat. I wouldn't say hit, but sometimes swing the bat. I don't have a problem so much with with Ryan McKenna. I don't know that it's McKenna that's holding Stowers back. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, something is going on Something's there. Something's going on. But I don't think it's the fact that... Because I don't buy just center field. Because like I said, let's let's hypothetically say as of last night, Cedric Wallens gets kicked out of the game. Sure. You need a center fielder. You could always flip Austin Hayes into center field to play in an emergency situation. Sure, but do you think that Austin Hayes is as, as talented a center fielder as Ryan McKenna? Yes. Okay. I I would have to I would have to look at some numbers. Yeah. And I would have to look at that more carefully. My initial answer would have been no. I'm not a Ryan McKenna hater, yeah. nor am I an apologist. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. If he was cut tomorrow, I'm not sure I would, the I would cry The only reason I say years. this about Hayes is if we watch all last season and we think about left field and Camden Yards and we think about the gap that you have to cover mm-hmm. at this point, I do feel like Hayes does get a decent jump. And again, when we watch Hayes and Mullins position themselves, mm-hmm. Mullins definitely shifts slightly to left field, but it's not an exaggerated over to left right. field. And in essence, trust that Hayes is going to do it. If someone else is out there in left field, you can see Mullins extremely going almost into left center. So, I mean, I don't think Hayes is a better center fielder than Mullins. But I do think if I were to choose in putting a center fielder out there right now, I would rather have Hayes be out there consistently in center field. And then I would like to have, preferably like to have Stowers in left field. Because I think Stowers actually has a pretty nice arm. Yeah, I, I would love to figure out what it's going to take for Stowers to get to the major league level and to be trusted Clearly, there's something going on there, and I think it's something that's going on there that's not public. It's got to be something. That we, they, the, when they're doing batting practice or something like that, something has to be up where they're like, we're not happy with the way your swing is developing. We all say, oh, you know, Hyde's getting too cute with the matchups, and when I say we all say that, that's clearly something that came out of my mouth. Yep. But I don't, I don't know that that's the whole story with Stowers. If it was that simple, right. I don't know what it is. And again, I would also come back to, it's not like outside of Hayes, our outfielders are doing great offensively. Cedric Mullins currently has a 73 rated runs created plus. Anthony Santander has a 50 weighted runs created plus. World Baseball Classic curse, yes or no? I think it's the fact that I called him the most valuable Oriole. Hmm. That's probably what the case I, is. My prediction is, is hosing him. Homer hosing him? No, no. <laughs> and not even dong-bonging him. Yeah. I, I will Did say- Did you just say dong-bonging him? I may have. Are we putting that in the penalty box too? I you I have no issues with you. You're the one that's showing your Catholic upbringing by saying I'm not appropriate. <laughs> this is not appropriate. But 
Um, now playing the role of Jim Hunter again. But again, I, w- I would come back and say, when we get to West Coast games and it's Dong Bongs After Dark, if we don't pull Dong Bonging into uh, Dong Bongs After Dark, I don't know what we're doing here at Bird's Eye View. All right. Having publicly come down on the side of, of soft anti-Dong Bong, I am highly in favor of Dong Bongs After Dark. <laughs> because again, because children, children are not are asleep. Up. Children are in bed. Dong Bong After Dark. All you wish. I, I think the outfield defense will come around. I'm not worried oh. about it. It just hasn't been good so far. I, I completely agree. I have no concerns whatsoever that the outfield defense is, is not going to come around. It just hasn't looked great to date. All right. I think we have. I think we've beat that horse into the ground. I'm so looking forward to Dong Bonging after dark. <laughs> let's let's head oh, into. Oh yeah. Let's head into home plate. Let's talk Grayson Rodriguez. Yeah. We haven't had the opportunity to talk about this. And before you know, we get to his performance, before we get to anything else, I want to talk about Grayson Rodriguez's dad. Mm. I feel like oh yes. I feel like we were all Grayson Rodriguez's Grayson. dad. No question. He uh, is the truest of true Orioles fan. You're just looking at him, and you're like, I feel like a man. I feel you so much. He was watching baseball that was existentially killing him <laughs> from the he was rotting as a human. From the inside out, because he was so invested with emotion watching his kid make his major league debut. Have you ever felt that way watching one of your kids play soccer or like baseball or anything like that? I mean, he's never played major league baseball, so of course not. Yeah. There's only there's been moments like that in my and like I said, it's something that I think any parent can kind of empathize with. Oh sure, but I remember there was one instance where my daughter, and again, not even close to these odds, but she was uh, in a soccer playoff and a shootout came up. And she's got to shoot the goal for the shootout to basically put her team ahead. And that's the kind of moments where, like, during the game, I'm like, yeah, just go out there and have fun. But when the moment is on her solely, and just like Grayson is, the moment is solely on her, or solely on him, I, I, I understand what his, he's going through. Oh my gosh, like, if it doesn't work out, what are people going to say? And it's just, you shouldn't think that way as a parent, but you go to that dark place. I think the emotions... You know, and of course, I've never been there. I can't. I can't possibly imagine what he was feeling. But I can only imagine. First of all, that is not true. Uh, there has been many instances where your father sat in the crowd during a drama performance with his hands in his head, basically just being like, "Gosh, I really wish I was up on stage instead of him because that'd be so much better." No, there, he, he's covering his ears. <laughs> he's covering his ears. But I mean, he was probably reliving all of the moments that had led to that. Of course. You know, all of the sacrifices you know, that, that the entire family had been made. But watching him fret the way he did, emote the way he did there on, on regional television. And then I don't know if you saw any of the work that the uh, Orioles social team to capture some of the interaction with the family after the game. That that's a, shoot that directly into my veins because that that is the story, you know, that we've been waiting for. Sure. And Grayson's parents were out this evening as well for his home start as well. Slightly less emotion, <laughs> but same standpoint of his dad like burying his face in his hands and just kind of just dealing with the standpoint. So, you know, Ben McDonald was asked about it, and so, you know, by Kevin Brown, like, does that ever get any better? Ben McDonald's was like. Nope, not really. It's always that way in terms of that anxiety. And I'm just like, wow. Eventually, it's going to be all okay. But during these first few starts, it's going to be rough. And again, I think it's going to be one of those situations when Grayson puts together a quality start or goes deep into a game, a little bit of that chip on the shoulder or that worry will fade away a little bit. Well, I mean, let's let's talk a little bit about 
uh, what we saw from Grayson Rodriguez in that debut. You know, he was not really crisp at first, but I was incredibly in the, impressed in the way that he came back, made adjustments, and looked just absolutely lights out. Yeah, I would say looking at that first start, the first inning was rough. It was extremely rough in terms of breaking balls. Um, and then second through fifth inning, I would say that it was similar where it was better, but still not quite the crispness that we were looking for. And I think we saw that this evening as well in his second start, where he came out, had a really good feel for his fastball pitches, but just couldn't quite get location for certain pitches. And again, he had a lot of strikeouts tonight, but kind of lost it in that fifth inning with the walk rate going up. And again, just not being able to put people away in certain instances. All hits came against him with two strikes. And again, Ben McDonald kept pointing it out through the whole broadcast of like Adley's position at the very top of the strike zone, and it just floats down slightly into the middle of the zone, and they flick it into left field or right field. So again, that's the kind of stuff that, you know, I think, like Ben McDonald said, it's the kind of stuff that you can sometimes get away with at AAA. Absolutely. And I think it's a really good learning experience for him. Unfortunately, you know, he, he left with the bases loaded, and our bullpen did not do him any favors to get him out of the jam. But overall... You know, looking at the stuff that was there, you know, outside some just slight command issues in terms of two strike pitches, I was really encouraged by the strikeout, you know, to walk ratio up into that fifth inning. And I'll be interesting to see, you know, what the Orioles decide to do with him going forward. Well, let me tease out what you just said there. Do you think he's here to stay? Okay. So I think he should be here to stay based off his stuff. (laughs) I do think the Orioles are going to option him. When Kyle Bradish comes back? I do. So you think that the Orioles would rather have, let's say, an Austin Voth on the team than a Grayson Rodriguez? So again, it's the question of, if you're going to keep Grayson Rodriguez in the rotation and you're going to bring Brett Bradish, who comes out of the rotation? Does Tyler Wells go into the bullpen? I think he does. A bullpen that desperately needs somebody? I completely agree. The bullpen desperately needs a, a, a decent arm, an above average arm. I guess my question is, like, Tyler Wells has looked really good so far. Like, do you take him out of the bullpen? He does seem to have that mentality, like, put me in anywhere. Like, we saw, we didn't talk about this at the last podcast, but we've got to talk about the Austin Wells game where, you know, Bradish gets hurt. Mm-hmm. Austin Wells comes in and pitches five innings out of the bullpen and gets pushed up a day. Like, what an incredibly, like, gutsy performance from him. And that's the kind of, like, attitude and swagger that you want from somebody in the bullpen of saying... Tap me on the shoulder. I want to go in now. I desperately want the Tyler Wells as a starter experiment to work. I, I'm I am on record as saying I want that with every fiber of my being. I just don't think it's going to happen. And again, I come back for to- for a team that's going to get John Means back. Yeah. It's going to have Grayson Rodriguez. It's going to have a DL Hall. Yeah. There's no room. And, and again, I mean, I'm not going to talk about current Michael Givens, but let's go back into the heyday of the Buckle Birds era. Michael Givens was so good for what reason? Because he could come out for multiple innings and play shutdown role. Just consider the aspect of putting Tyler Wells in the bullpen and saying every other day or every three days, he's going to come out there and potentially give you two innings. It would be amazing. Like that would be an amazing benefit going forward for this club. We saw that a little bit with Keegan Aiken in the past. Keegan Aiken is not that pitcher anymore. Um, I, I still think, that's where Tyler Wells needs to be. I think it would benefit the Orioles so much to say, we have Bradish, we have Grayson Rodriguez, and we're going to put Tyler Wells out there, and we're going to use him every other day for one or two innings. 
I, I think that Tyler Wells can be the guy that gets the saves that don't count in the books. You I, know? I think that makes sense. And again, if it's a standpoint of like we're ahead by six runs, you come in 17th and 9th and just close it out and not blow up the bullpen. Right. Or, you know, the game is on the line here in the 6th. Yep. He comes in and shuts the door down and sends it the back. So, the again, this is a great great example. Let's come back to tonight. Grayson Rodriguez in the fifth inning, can't get out of the fifth inning, gets up to almost 99, gets up to 100 pitch, almost 100 pitches. I think he stopped at 99. With the bases loaded, I'm going to someone like a Tyler Wells and saying, get me out of this inning. You've got to get two outs, and then I want you to come out the next inning, and I want you to get me three more outs. That'll get me through the fifth inning and the sixth inning, and then I can put three more pitchers in for seventh, eighth, and ninth. Yep. Makes a ton of sense. And again, you're going to have to do this eventually. Grayson's not going to be able to pitch to this regard. You're going to need to have someone be able to work three innings um, going forward. The question is, is Tyler Wells part of your starting rotation future? Or is he part of your bullpen for the future? And I still look at Tyler Wells and I say, he is going to be a great bullpen arm. And that's nothing against, I'm not saying he can't start. But I'm saying that if you're looking to be a playoff team, he is a great bullpen arm. And... Whether they're in the majors or the minors, yeah. Grayson Rodriguez has only got 130 innings on him this year. I think so. I would rather get him in the majors. Me too. Yeah. Me too. But I think the Orioles are going to play conservative and just say, go back down to the minors and play around. All right. So you and I seem to agree, weirdly, you and I seem to agree on, on this. But that's not The really... dong hose has brought us together. No. The it's, dong ball. It's almost like we're sucking from the same hose. Mouth to mouth. <laughs> oh, no. All right. I'm the glad m- that children don't listen to this podcast. <laughs> Most important. You know, we've stopped swearing and we've gotten worse somehow. What are you talking about? Um, the most important question when it comes to Grayson Rodriguez is not whether he's going to be at the major league level or the minor league level. It's not going to be what the impact that he his presence has on the roster. It's not uh, how much antacid his father is required to take. The real important question is what is Grayson Rodriguez's Baltimoreans nickname going to be? On their last show, they asked for recommendations, and this is the nickname audit is a, a cause that is near and dear to both your and my heart. I have what I think is the perfect nickname, mm-hmm. and, and I'm ready for that. And while I stall, I'm going to encourage you to come up with your own perfect sure. nickname. But my my uh, nickname for Grayson Rodriguez is simply Fahrenheit mm. because, you know, Fahrenheit 451, mm-hmm. he, he, rather than the, the gas man, yep. he's, he's the fireman. Sure. Fahrenheit. That's appropriate. Uh, mine, I'm just going to go with diesel. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I see where you're going with that. I see where you're going. The reason that that's not going to work. Why? He plays for the Baltimore Orioles. Mm-hmm. Plays for the Baltimore Orioles, owned by the Angelos family. Yeah. And as you know, diesel, a little more expensive these days than unleaded. That's a good point. I'm just not sure they're going to go for that expense. Good point. Good point. So I I don't want you to say or do anything that will make it less likely that Grayson Rodriguez gets re-signed to a massive contract. Good point. Good point. All right. We have gone around the bases. At this point, I think that we need to leave it right there at home plate. We need to take a quick break, and when we come back, let's see what happened this week in Fantasy Boss.
Oh, Scott, that's the wrong music. Or is it the right music? No, no, that's, that's, I'm unaccustomed to hearing this glorious music. Tony Danza approves. Hold me closer. So, I'm up one nothing. That's great. Oh, are you though? Oh, did something ever happen? So last week, for, for those of, for the both of you in prison that were listening, our category for Fantasy Boss was an over-under mm-hmm. for Jorge Mateo and his, uh, his K percentage, mm-hmm. and we set that at 15%. Okay. And you took the over. Yep. And I went with the under, and Scott, you, let's just say, you won. Okay. You absolutely, absolutely won. How high was it? It was 24.1. That's not that bad. No. If I had set it at 25, would yeah. you have taken the over or the under? I would have taken the under. Okay. Okay. Well, you would have been just right, yeah. but you were still right. But if you were to set it at 20, I would have probably taken the over as well. That, that was not the only damage done. Because last week, I also threw out a wild card. Ooh. The Orioles' starting pitching had not yet reached a point in which they had gone seven innings. Mm -hmm. And so I said, let's just throw out a wild card. Whoever clicks first gets the point. Which pitcher do you think is going to go seven innings? My pick was Kyle Bradish. Mm -hmm. That is not likely to happen at this point. No. And your pick was... Was Kyle Gibson, right? It was Kyle Gibson. Kyle Gibson went that way, didn't he? He did. And you clicked... Almost immediately. So, Scott, in quick fashion, you have jumped up 2 nothing well, in the Fantasy th- Boss That stacks. will quickly disappear. Well, from again, from your lips to the Fantasy uh, Boss God's ears, with that having been said, you are the winner. That gives you the right to pick this week's category. And once you pick the category, I will, I will have the first pick for player. So let me have it. What is your brilliant stat upon which we will gamble? So I'm going to go with uh, a classic Jake English. Uh, we're going to go back to the dong bong really quickly. So Jake, true or false? Okay. By the time we record the next episode, will the dong bong re- be retired? <laughs> <laughs> um, I object. I object. <laughs> this is not a stat. This is this is not based on on a play or a player. Jake, the only way that I can win Fantasy Boss is to play more Jake English style Fantasy Boss. So I'm going full Jake English this year. True or false? I feel like you're going full Jabby Burns here. <laughs> this is starting to get into degenerate territory. By the time we record our next podcast, will the Dong Bong have been kiboshed by the powers that be? Yes. And I, mean, I, will, I will also point out too. Uh, in classic Jabby Burn style, um, pull back the curtain. I will not be here for a week or two. <laughs> so I will give you that additional time if you would like. No, no. I want I want just the week. I want just the week. And Scott, I will say by the time the next Bird's Eye View podcast is recorded, that the Dong Bong will have been no more. Jake is a big upset fan about the Dong Bong. So folks, uh, I am hoping... And uh, holding out the dong bong or the homer hose, if you want to be Catholic Jake. We don't, we don't want that at all. <laughs> Wants to hold out a little bit more. Is going to still be here 
Do we need to pick a new wild card category too? We don't have to. I I feel like I feel like wild cards can come and go as right. they as they let's organically just, happen. Let's leave it at dong bong territory right now, and let's see who will own it this week with the dong bong. Uh, with that, uh, since we're going to be doing dong bongs, let's go ahead and figure out who is good, who is bad, and who is ugly this week. That's right, it's time again for the good, the bad, and the ugly. I'm going to get started, as always, because Scott Magnus's rants greatly exceed the quality of my own. My good for this week is going to Kyle Gibson. I really enjoy watching him pitch. I, I really enjoy the arsenal that he's got. In his last start, I, I feel like he was somewhat inefficient at the beginning of the game and just locked down in the middle of it and had really efficient like fourth and fifth and sixth innings that allowed him to go through and finish strong he has been more frankly than was advertised or at least that I expected and I'm hoping he can keep that rolling at least for this week Kyle Gibson was good he's he's making that pickup look really smart my good is uh going to be a a flick and a bow to uh, this individual uh and Derek Arnold this one's for you my good for the week is going to go to Ramon Urias Monarios, I think, has played really well as of lately, you know, showcasing a 130 rated ones created plus for the season. And again, I'll come back to that opening day. Opening day, I thought he had some really great defensive plays. So Ramon Urias gets my good for the week. I know in the past I've been a little hard on Ramon Urias, um, as Derek Arnold likes to continue to point out of saying Scott's not a fan, but I am able to recognize good play from Ramon Urias. So Ramon Urias gets my good for the week. All right, my bad is going to go to Cedric Mullins. Cedric had a bad week. He had a negative 44 weighted runs created plus. Negative 44. He amassed only two hits and one walk all week. Seems a little lost at the plate. Not a good look, Ced. It's bad. My bad's going to go to Austin Voth. Just an abysmal performance up into this night um, and in this evening, too. Just some really poor appearances. I just don't know when Austin Bothhead can come in anymore, unless it's a blowout situation. So glad the Orioles picked him up last year. I'm glad they were able to pick up and get some additional aspects for him. I, I just don't see it. I just don't see the benefit that he offers the club. I'd rather go to another young arm. Or again, if we're looking at Tyler Wells going into the bullpen, we're going to have to start making room for players. You know, Logan Gillespie was one of the last players to make it onto the roster. And I think people were maybe looking at him of kind of going off the roster when Dylan Tate returns, I just would DFA Austin Voth immediately um, and just start preparing for for the, the next series of turns. Okay. Originally, for my ugly, I was going to go with the cockroaches that come out when yeah. the Yankees are in town. We've already covered that. Already covered that. So I, I'm simply going to say that my ugly is Anthony Santander. And I say that because of the expectation, mm-hmm. right? He had a 50-weighted runs created plus this week. He had a 31.8 Kate percentage. His his WOBA is a 244. He's just not doing anything for us at the moment. And I do expect him to be a powerful weapon in the middle of this lineup. We talked about the World Baseball Classic. That 
his previous season has shown that he is ready to be in a class of player that can be a central piece of a lineup. And he's simply not doing it right now. And because I was hoping for that from him, what we're getting is just ugly. Yeah. Jake, you missed out on clearly what was the true ugly for this week. And the true ugly for this week was the concessions and the food at Camden Yards oh, this opening man. series. An absolute disaster in the upper deck and throughout the entire ballpark um, in terms of the concession areas. Numerous complaints, numerous long lines, beer vendors coming up and just dropping their stuff to the floor and being like, who wants to come out of the long concession lines to basically buy beer from my cart? The fact that a beer vendor can do that and do it more efficiently than we can at a concession stand really highlights the issues and errors that were had at the ballpark. Look, I understand it was opening day. I understand there's going to be kinks. It's a um, new vendor. It's a new vendor. No excuses. This was just an abysmal performance by the new vendor, and it came off coming off really poorly. You know, just, just a host of issues in terms of it. The one thing that really rankled me, and I saw this also in the Baltimore Banner article that was talking about the same topic, was in the upper deck, and I, you might have noticed this too, right behind, we sat behind home plate. We were in 334, not 336 like we normally sit. There was a section which had freezer cases, refrigerator cases of stocked sodas and beers. And I'm like, oh, great. Like, I can just go up there, grab that, and go pay for it. Went up and did that. No, sir, no. Those are not being used today. What are they, what are they out for then? They're not being used today. I'm like, where else can I get a soda then? You've got to go to another concession and get it. There's soda right here. There's a person that can take my money right there. Why is this not opened up? And they're just like, we're just, just not set up to do that at this moment. I'm like, this makes no sense. Like, absolutely no sense. And I want to be clear. Like, I have zero beef with the fact that this was somebody's first day of work. I actually met someone on their first day of work and I said, thank you very much. Gave them a tip. And I said, I appreciate you coming out and, and servicing us and no issues. I had no issues with the personnel. Right. What I have issues with is the infrastructure and the processes set up by management as my big issues. The The company that won the, the contract did so on the strength of a bid that should have shown that they know how to do this. Correct. The other thing I'll say is that if you have a new vendor. Have I got your soapbox out, by the way? Thank you, by the way. <laughs> let, me, let me jump back up. Oh, is this your ugly? No, it's mine now. If you have a new vendor. Yeah. If you're, if you're worried, should have been, that this might take a little bit to, to get right, why not have an exhibition game in Baltimore? Sure. The way they used to. Yeah. Right? Make it the last spring training game. Have a game against the Norfolk Tides. Right. Wh whatever it is, get your kinks out. Sure. There. Free admission. Anybody that wants to come in, we're going to do this as a free free game. No, you can sell whatever you want. Make yeah. the let the club make money. Just it's fine. Free whatever. admission. Just be like, hey, we're going to invite people to come in and look around the ballpark. And if you buy tickets at the ballpark that evening when you come in for the exhibition, you know, ten percent off your your ticket purchase for the evening. I like it. I like it. I will say, I stepped out to grab something to eat. I left at the bottom of the fourth inning. I got back at the for the very last pitch of the sixth inning. It was great because Nick Marquez hit a home run into right field. And, um, well, you know, like it just was a really good game. You're a terrible human <laughs> being. <laughs> All right, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, let's blow the save.
Scott, to blow the save this evening, I have to make a confession. Mm-hmm. I have apparently not been paying attention. Duh. As closely as I should have been. There are 6.35 starts this season. Yes. There's also 6 o'clock starts through other portions of Major League Baseball. So, for example, the Cleveland Guardians are starting baseball games at 6.10 before Memorial Day going forward. Yeah, so I don't care about the Cleveland Guardians. But you will if the Orioles play the Cleveland Guardians. No, when it's a, when it's a away game, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for weird times. Okay, gotcha. I think, I think, if I understand this correctly, that... Basically, in April and May, and then again in September, mm-hmm. weekday games are largely going to be started at 635, I guess, to get kids in before yes. you know school, yep. so they're not out late. But it's not consistent. And, and you mentioned the Guardians. Like, there is a, there's a series against the Guardians in which there's still a 705 start, even though it's in, in that time frame. Right. I just I had totally forgotten about it, and, and so th- it caught me by surprise. But during the week... 635 until we hit, you know, the the summer, summer, right? I mean, just looking at the games, you're absolutely right that, you know, if you look at that Guardian series, it goes 1 o'clock, 705, 305. But again, that is after Memorial Day. So they're doing it up to Memorial Day for most ballparks. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Now, why Memorial Day? School's still in session. Yeah. Seems a little weird. That's the traditional start of summer. That's exactly right. That's when the pool opens. That's when the pool opens and everything like that. So I'm okay with that. Here's what I will say about this is I actually have no major issues with this in terms of I understand wanting to move the game slightly up in order to let, you know, folks, you know, also come from downtown in and just not have to stay too late. Um, also potentially bring kids. The kids thing is also interesting to me as well, because as we've seen with the pitch clock, we are seeing a decrease in games. So we're at, we'll call it, I think, 237, I think is the last that I saw compared to three hours last year. Uh, so we're 20 minutes shorter as well. If it was three, it's still a three hour game then we'd be ending games most of the time at 9.35, which I feel is like a good standpoint. Now, most games are going to end in that aspect of, we'll call it 9.15, which again, I wouldn't say is early. I'm wondering if this is a double whammy effect. Is it a situation where we move the start times up in order to you know, make the change as it relates to the old timing, and now we're seeing the old timing plus the shortened game on this basis? Personally, I'm okay with it. I don't really think there's that much of a difference for me between a 635 game and a 705 game. I actually like it because, again, I'm not a night owl like certain other folks. <laughs> so I'm okay with it. It is hard for me to get to weekday games because my kids are so overscheduled at this point. Uh, so it doesn't matter one way or the First other. First of all, that's your fault that your son is you know, going out into the world, pulling dong bongs left and right. That's just poor parenting right there. We do need to come up with a home run celebration for my 12-year team, but that, that's a whole other story. But I've got a hose. I've got a funnel. Let's make this happen. No, 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 no. I'm going to wipe that from my memory. Another thing that I meant that I noticed from this schedule is that there are more Wednesday getaway 105 games yeah. than I remember being on the schedule. Absolutely. And, and I know that, the, you know, sometimes they're the 1210, 1235 businessman specials, yeah. but. I think there's some good opportunities for uh, a, a, an early departure from work. Yep. No, I completely agree. And enjoying a Wednesday baseball game. When I was looking at the schedule, I noticed that as well, where there's a lot of these games where you were finished up on Wednesday early, and then you're obviously traveling the next mm-hmm. day. I said the same thing. I was just like, wow, there might be a lot of games on Wednesday that I'm going to be like, I want to go to that game and see it. There's only one thing that bothers me. All right. And that's... 
the Orioles historically have been really poor during day games, as we have seen on Sunday. So it ner- makes me a little nervous to go to day games like that. But that's the only caveat. I really like the idea of doing Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Wednesday evening being free for the team to travel. Tell you why you don't need to be afraid of 105 Wednesday games. Sure. Caleb Joseph is not going to be in the lineup. It's a shame. I like me some Caleb Joseph. It is a shame. He made me go nuts. And with that, (laughs) that is our show. Remember, you can find this in our entire catalog of indispensable episodes at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. Bird's Eye View is available for download wherever it is you get your podcast. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many others. Please remember to rate and review the show. We rate and review this show. This show. This uh, show. We appreciate the feedback and encourages other people to partake in the dong dong for the first time. Come and get social with us. You can email us at contact at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. You can find us all over social media. We're everywhere, Scotty. We are on Instagram. We're on Facebook. We're on Snapchat, the ticks, and the talks. But the best way to get a hold of us is on Twitter, where we tweet at Bird's Eye View, B-A-L. And with that, Baltimore and beyond, I will bid you all a fond adieu with you. Good night, Baltimore. Stay hydrated. And let's go, Oaks. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go. Dong ball.